Hey, it's Jeepaw. I'm long past on record that I think the use of automockers outside of legacy rescue situations is bad policy. First, it's easy to write pseudo-tests using an automocker. Pseudo-tests are, are tests that appear to prove things about your code that they don't actually prove. Now, note, I'm not saying automockers force one to write pseudo-tests. They don't. But they do make it awfully easy. How? The combination of don't-care arguments in mocked method specs with hardwired returns makes it easy to write tests that skip logic in the tested unit. Consider A is equal to dot dot dot. B is equal to dot dot dot. Return x dot c of A and B. Where x dot c is automog to take any parameters and return a hardwired value. The only thing our test tests is that those two sets of dot, 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 those two lesions don't throw. That's not usually what we meant to test. Now, again, I point out, we don't have to do it this way. We could set up our mock call to take known values of A and B, or even generic values that it uses to return non-hardwired results. Either way, we're getting somewhere. But you see how easy it is to do this kind of thing. Second, the syntax of automockers, in general, is both brilliant and largely impenetrable to people who aren't already quite skilled in parsing the language under test. This is both a difficulty in itself and a contributing factor to that first point. Studying your automocker's source code is nearly always taking a master class in the odd corners of your programming language. I greatly admire the ingenuity of automocker authors. It's usually, to be honest, breathtaking craftwork. The thing that makes that work so ingenious is its attempt at absolute generality. Problem is, that's the same thing that makes it so hard to write complex mocking without copy-pasting code you don't understand. But when you handwrite your mocking setups and verifies, rather than copy-pasting them, the tiniest typo will normally spew an error message with 300 words and 19 nested angle brackets. So, you don't. You copy-paste code you don't grok. We all know what happens when we do this. Third, automockers make it easy to write, possibly pseudo, tests against poorly factored code instead of doing what would most help, which is refactoring it. This is exactly why they're so great in legacy rescue, but it amounts to encouraging us to make new legacy. An automarker is perfectly content to mock two methods of a class with 90 methods, for instance. But why do we have a class with 90 public methods? If we have a caller that needs to do two things, we'd likely be much better off with a callee that only does two things. If you hand-rolled fakes off of interfaces, you'd never make a 90-method interface and hand-fake it. You'd get yourself a two-method interface, or thereabouts, add it to the interfaces of the shipping class, and roll up a testing implementation for it. This is often particularly apparent when working in code that has no composed methods. You see yourself writing multiple setups against the same auto-mocked object because you factored two things together that don't belong together. The deep answer is usually that the method you're testing should have been a straight-line composed method with zero logic, and the methods you've extracted should be tested separately. Fourth, and I suspect this one is going to outrage some folks, behavior testing, as opposed to result testing, is highly fragile under change. Refactoring breaks tests much more often when we test behavior. A calls B twice, and A's tests auto-mock B. 
The new kid shows us how to do whatever B does in those two calls in one call with different params and different internal logic. Change B and test it. Change A, and though A's results are identical before and after, A's test fails. This, by the way, is even more frequent and more painful if we've actually resolved the first issue I mentioned by using hard discipline. The, the more detail we put into A's test setups, the easier it is to break A's test, when it didn't need to be broken at all. There really are situations where testing behavior is the right thing to do. But in my experience, they're comparatively rare. So rare, in fact, that they don't justify me using an auto mocker at all, but instead force me to hand roll a mock. One more note. I don't advocate auto mockers outside of active legacy rescue. Why do I advocate their usage inside active legacy rescue? Well, because auto mockers let you sketch a throwaway pin down test in seconds, one that would take you hours to write without them. That phrase, active legacy rescue, is meant to say that we are busily unlegacying some code, refactoring it actively to make it be what we want. To be super clear, that's not the same thing as just working in legacy. I don't advocate automockers outside of legacy rescue for these four reasons. One, pseudo tests. Two, overgeneral syntax. Three, poor design support. And four, behavioral fragility. You're better off short, medium, and long-term using other tools and learning other techniques. I'm Jipa. Thanks for listening. Hey folks, the Change Harvesting Camarada, an informal gathering of change harvesters, is open. Come to jipahill.org slash camarada and check it out. Join today. The first 50 yearly members get a personal consultation with me, Jipa. Thanks. Thank you.